You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host as always. Can you believe it? We're at the end of January already in 2022 and the market is just ticking on as expected. And I've got in one of the most prolific selling agents in Western Australia these days. He sold 140 properties in 2021. I don't know how you do it, but Mike Jesslin from SLP, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, cool, Trent. Looking forward to it. Mike, you're selling Banksy Grove. You are Mr. Banksy Grove. And one of the reasons I wanted to get you in is because I don't know a real estate agent in Western Australia. I don't know of one who has the market share of a suburb that you do in Banksy Grove. Can you tell us about it and tell me how the hell you do it? Yeah, for sure. So, look, I started selling in Banksy Grove in 2013. At the time, there was a dominating agent in there that was selling about 60 homes, and agents two and three were doing maybe 20 to 30 sales. Um, so my strategy was thinking if I could topple number one and get into either two or three, and then I would slowly just work my way up from there. So that's what I've done. And how do you do it? How do you keep those young guys from coming in, chipping away, putting a higher appraisal on you, and as we spoke about off air, when a lot of number ones get to the top, they start to lose that customer service. They start to lose touch and clients feel that and eventually they want to give the underdog a chance. Clearly, that's not happening in Banksy Grove. Clearly, you're selling 75, 80% of the market there. How do you keep a whole suburb in love with Mike Jesslin? Uh, well, look, it's a lot of hard work. You know, I think agents think that it's an easy industry to get into. Um, so you'll see a lot of people that'll start, go for three to six months, sell three, four, five homes, um, and then they just run out of steam. Um, so I think one of my strengths is just determination. Like, you know, I went through three pairs of shoes, knocking doors for the first six to eight months when I started. I met a lot of people that told me to get stuffed and I later ended up selling the homes. Um, and sometimes two or three homes for them or they've referred me on to friends. Um, so hard work's the first thing. I work incredibly long hours. I also get a lot of referral business from past clients. So people that have had a phenomenal experience selling a house, they're normally expected to be a pretty stressful situation. I try to make it as simple and real as possible. So simplify, simplify, simplify. So I'll generally go into an appraisal. I'm sure I'm going up against other agents. They might be overpricing or promising them a better outcome. I'll just be dead real with them and say, hey, look, this is where I think it's sitting. This is where the data is. I'm not here to determine a price for you. I'm happy to run with what you feel is kind of a reasonable price, but also just be weary that if you promised a number by another agent, look at their stats, look at their history, look at what their outcomes are, and very often they'll end up coming back to me. A couple of things that we spoke about off air that I found really endearing is you could easily go into with the skills you've got and the experience you've got you could easily go into a higher value suburb but you like the idea of pinning down a suburb that a lot of other agents probably don't have the balls to move into given the demographic of Banksy Grove the distance from Perth and it can be a harder place to sell especially over the last few years it has been but also the extra love and attention that yourself and your PA give to all those existing clients of yours. I don't know many agents these days putting the time and a little bit of the money into giving back to their clients to finish off the last bits if a transaction needs to needs to get through a bit smoother with the retick or whatnot, or just the vouchers, the cards, you know, on an annual basis to keep in touch with people. Not many do it anymore, and you're still putting a lot of love back into your clients. Yeah, well, look, 
Banks of Grove is very much a bread and butter suburb. So when I moved to Perth, uh, my intention was to pick a suburb with high turnover, quick volume, and one that has a short days on market. So I took a very analytical approach when I sort of, I literally pulled out the back of an APR magazine, went down a table and looked for the suburb that had high turnover and short days on market. And I went through three or four suburbs and narrowed it down to Banksy Grove. So that it's really just predominantly was numbers based that I got into the game. But over the years, we've built an amazing client retention program. So once someone's had a great experience with us the first time, we make sure they don't go anywhere else. So they'll get an annual uh, Christmas card from us or a gift at Christmas, an anniversary update every year when they bought their home, what's happening to the house price in that 12 month period, but a gift from us as well, which over three, four, five years may cost us a couple of hundred bucks, but we very, very seldom see a client go anywhere else. And look, that's the sort of client retention that I wanted to speak to today because you generally see a number one agent who is killing it in their suburb and they will probably have half the market. Right, we spoke to Jack Wilmington a couple of weeks ago at Secret Harbour, a fantastic agent, so well known in the area, such a great operator. Still, half the market though. When you're sitting up at 75, 80%, you must be going that extra mile. I don't know when or how you sleep. I don't know how you have a family, even. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> My wife says I'm married to the job. Yeah, look, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that we don't work incredibly hard. Like, I typically work a five and a half day week. Um, most nights I'll leave the office seven o'clock, I'll get home, put the kids to bed, and then I'll have a quick bite and I'll jump back on the laptop, work till midnight. It's probably not an amazing life balance, but I literally put everything into my business. Mm. So my clients know, clients will text me 11 o'clock at night, they'll get a reply in five minutes. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you don't hear that coming from most agents in Perth these days. We're all fairly entitled uh, with our private time in the 21st century these days. Uh, Mike, we're not here just here to talk about you and your uh, your side. I wanted to quickly chat about that, but we're actually here talking about your suburb, Banksia yep. Grove. You said you started selling in 2013, but Banksia Grove has a bit more of a history than that. Can you bring us back historically to what was going on in Banksia Grove? What was it before it was a land estate and a ha- and and a, now a suburb for over 10,000 people? So in the late 1990s, Banksia was like a relocation area for the Department of Housing. Um, so it kind of got a bit of a bad name or a stigma attached to it. But in the early 2000s and really that ramped up from sort of 2005 onwards, LWP partnered with the Department of Housing and they've built really an amazing estate. And, you know, there's not a single house in the state that you can't walk to a park in a couple of minutes. There's a huge selection of schools. There are not many suburbs I can think of in anywhere in Perth where you've got a Woolies, Coles and an Aldi all in one place. There's a great little shopping district. The parks are, I think, some of the best that you can find around. I think they've spent a lot of money to make it a green space and a good place for young families. I find a lot of people move to the area because they want a fairly newly built home. They don't want to take on maintenance that they get in the older suburbs like Craigie, Woodvale, closer into the city. They're prepared to travel a little bit further out to get something new and clean and fresh. Banksy Grove, along with your suburbs like Alcamos, Baldivis, Ellenbrook, Averley, Byford, I guess it sits in the same ilk, the same vintage of the house and land estates that really got smashed in value in the last five, six years where someone would be building generally a, a three or a four by two that's probably costing them $400,000 after all costs to get up. And then in between the periods of 2016 and 2021, values would have dropped into the, you know, would have dropped by 100 grand for a yeah. lot of properties, right? Yeah. That's a reality. Correct, yeah. 
a lot of people in negative equity space, a lot of people with mortgaging and possession issues. But obviously, like everywhere else in the market, we've seen some significant resurgence in value over the last 12 months. Banksy Grove probably seeing a lot of those picking up 20-something percent in that time. Can you give us a bit more color to that story as to how you found that time from look when you started 2013? You've, you've seen it all. Yeah. What's been the story? Yeah, so I I entered the marketplace late 2013. Obviously, the market started sort of turning 14, 15. So really, from the time that I started, pretty much everyone has been a negative equity. So you go into a home, hey, guys, how are you going? Okay, your house is worth 400 grand. They're like, ooh, okay, well, we owe 450. Uh, well, okay, either you're selling or you're taking on an extra debt or you're getting that money from somewhere else if you want to go or you're going to sit tight. So there'll be a lot of appraisals that I would have done over the years where people are like, we'd love to move, we just can't. Probably from 2018 and 19, we started seeing people taking loans to exit homes, anything from 10 to 30, 40 grand where it started getting close to what they could get their money back on. And then certainly in the last 12 to 18 months, we've got back to people in positive equity scenarios that they can move. And that's really driven the market. Like we've seen you know, sales volumes pretty much double in our business over 12 months, uh, where people just call up and go, hey, you know, we've been wanting to go for a couple of years. Now's the time. What's the house worth? Boff, let's go. Just really cashing out. Correct. Getting out of that yeah. situation that yeah. they've been sitting on for five years, waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. And also because some of the blocks are a little bit smaller, you've got guys that have had kids in the meantime and they want to get something a bit bigger. So a lot of my buyers will either build, you'd be surprised we get a lot of people that rebuild in Banksy Grove, um, some second, even third time builders. So they like the area. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They've just been stuck financially Correct. to do anything until now. Yeah. Or they're upgrading from a small little 3 by 2 and a 210 block to a 375 and then up to 500. But then you also get a lot of guys that move from Banksy to the neighboring suburbs. So tapping, Caramar, bigger blocks, 600 square meter blocks, more your family sized homes with decent yard for the dog. So a lot of guys end up moving into those sort of surrounding suburbs. So we've seen some of our business start to grow there as well. When you think about those people that are selling now, are they looking to generally upgrade most of them or are they just most of them trying to get out? 46% of my sellers over the last 12 months were investors. So they're actually investors that are offloading properties that they've had for a couple of years. And then a lot of those properties are actually being rebought by new investors. So we've got very strong activity out of the East Coast. Like I'd say, probably getting up to 30, 40% of every single buyer now is buying out of the East Coast. That's surprising. I thought you would have had a lot of owner-occupiers moving in there at a good value price. Yeah, but I would say now we're seeing East Coast investors that have got a bit of equity, they've got money to spend. They look at a good-sized 4 by 2 home in the 500s and go, wow, that's just screaming good value. And they can get tenants placed within a week. So I've, I've probably done, I'm going to say, 30 or 40 deals in the last six months to East States investors that are giving us the property management to find a tenant. We sell the property. Uh, we look after all any repairs or maintenance that needs doing before the tenant moves in, and it'll settle on the Wednesday, tenants in on Friday. That surprises me massively, and it's, probably, it's a really good surprise. It's very interesting to sit in our bubble in Western Australia and hear these anecdotal stories from people who have this very tacit information that we're not really not used to sharing about 
where people from the East Coast are focusing their time and efforts. And some of us sit there and go, why banks your growth? And it's really interesting to see just where yeah. it is that they're focusing. So as an why. investor, you know, you're looking at homes that have been built, most of the newish ones from 2013 onwards. So you'll find a four by two home on a reasonable size family block with a bit of yard for a dog, perfect rental property, couple of years old, no maintenance. They're being picked up in the high fours and just into the fives. We're renting them immediately at 550, even closer up to 600 on some of them. So it's a yield play for a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. And a newish home with minimal maintenance. Instant tenant, no maintenance. Yeah, easy peasy. Who else are your buyers though? Is it, are there still a lot of young families coming through? Yeah, so you get a lot of first-home buyers, so youngsters in their 20s, early 30s, buying into the little starter homes, and then sometimes they're upgrading to the 4-2s. And then you also get ones that jump straight into the 4-2 around the sort of mid to high 400s. And then the next, other than the investors, the next biggest demographic would be retirees. So we get retirees slash separations where maybe someone's had to separate from a six or 800 grand home and banks are grow purely on the price point is somewhere that they can afford to buy. Let's talk price points. You've referenced them a little bit, but can you tell me regards to, I guess the products are a three by two on a smaller 300, 400 square meter lot, and then four by twos and, and whatever else is there above there. What are we paying now and what was it maybe a year or so ago? So entry level banks here, three by two cottage on a 225 block. So the wall to wall with the rear um, garage, they are anywhere between 330 to 350. They're renting now around 400 a week. Previously, well, even a year ago, 270. Yep. It's up to maybe 300. So they've probably jumped 10 to 15%. Popular rentals and downsizes. Then your next block size up, your three to 350 block, typically around the 400K mark. And then your more traditional family home, four by two. They have sort of like a hybrid block, a 375. It's not really a big family block, but it's not a tiny little cottage. Those are going in the mid to high fours. And then your family blocks, your 450 plus, um, high fours, early fives. And then anything special is sort of mid fives. Those would have all been, what, 100 grand less a year or so ago? Yeah, the ones selling now four eighty would have been not probably not a hundred grand, probably four twenty. Yeah, yeah. So we've really seen some resurgence, and I yeah. expect we'll probably continue to see that correct over the next year. So yeah. you'll be licking your lips, going, "Yeah, this is fantastic." Come Finally, on. some growth and some real buyer interest. Correct. Makes your job as a seller a lot easier in a way, but then harder because you're continually, obviously, putting new stock to market. Yeah, that's it. And look, we don't get the crazy numbers through home opens that you do as you move closer to the city. So typical home open for us, you might see three to five, maybe seven people through, but the turnover rate is phenomenal. You know, like very seldom get past a second or third home open. So most people that are making the effort to get out there, they're, yeah, they're, real they're going buys. for a reason. They're real buys. Are you seeing a lot of sight unseen? Obviously, you spoke about East yeah. Coast being 30 40%. They're yeah. They have to be sight unseen. Yeah. How are you servicing those so people? Got, Facebook? Uh, buyers agents or property managers that they appoint over here to come through and do a walkthrough with us, take a ton of photos, email over, we get enough for the next day. They're very often paying on the dollar or even slightly above market value to secure them. And then we're managing the property management from behind the scenes. Is Banksia Grove finished? Are there any more estates left in this suburb or can we now start calling it a Brownfields estate? Yeah, look, there's still a couple of blocks that are remaining. I believe there's not very many left. There are still several that are still under construction, but it's it's very much nearing capacity. So when I started, maybe 2,500 homes um, and it's going to be pushing up to sort of 4,000 homes now. 
And I guess the interesting thing about Banksy Grove in contrast to somewhere like your Byford, your Ellenbrook, your Bold Ivers is I don't see a lot of expansion happening here. This suburb is one whose perimeters is really limestone quarries, the Wanneroo Golf Club, Lake Districts, Caramar Golf Club, all these. You're not going to see probably that many more or if any more no. estates pushing no, through. You're getting, Once this, you're getting this to is capacity. Yeah, yeah, you're getting to capacity 100%. Yeah. I guess the next section we normally speak about subdivision development is pretty much non-existent in Banksy Grove, right? right? All this yeah. has been done on a master plan by your LWPs, by your big land developers. Yep. Let's move on to uh, the final part of the chat, median house price. What is it? Uh, I'd be sitting around 400000 Mike Jessland of SLP. If you had four hundred grand in your pocket, cash today, and you had to go make a purchase in Banksy Grove, can you tell us where that would be? Yeah, you'd pick up a really good three by two with two living areas, double garage, a little bit of a yard. Just sold one yesterday on Harvard Green, 405. Nice, neat little home, six years old, good condition, two living areas, neat little kitchen, double garage to the back, quiet street, little cul-de-sac. And if money wasn't an issue, would you have a street in Banksy Grove that you'd be aspiring to? Uh, look, I've always loved Mornington Drive. Um, so it's got a, a great views and pollen turn would probably be a, a close number two. Um, also with bush views, good size blocks, nice and quiet. Um, just got a great feel. Bonus question at the end. If you were speaking to buyers who are looking to maybe buy a year from now in Banksy Grove, where would you say you'd, most of those price points would be sitting at? Another 10, 15%? Uh, look, I don't know if we're going to see quite that much. I think we're expecting a pretty solid rush into early February. Already we're seeing an increase in buyer activity and seller activity ahead of that. My personal feeling is a big jump has probably happened. Um, I'm thinking there'll still be some slow and steady growth through the next 12 months, but I'm not expecting we're going to see another 15 20%. It's more a case of solidifying that price point. Yeah. 100%. Mike Jessland, SLP, thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate the chat. It's, it's been a long time coming, talking about Banksy growth, but one that's had to happen and one that finally has a bit of a great recovery resurgence story. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us in. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!